Welcome to the GeoMob Podcast, where we discuss geo-innovation in any and all forms, whether for fun or profit. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the GeoMob Podcast. So one thing that often comes up when I meet people at GeoMob events or, or you know, just other work events is um, a lot of people in geospatial tell me that they want to apply their skills to working on you know, the major project facing all of us as humanity, that being climate change. But it's not always immediately clear how they should do that or, 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 or how, you know, where do they start? So this is exactly why I'm very excited to have today's guest. I'm going to be speaking with Patrick Ribeiro, who was a speaker at GeoMob Lisbon back in October. And He's going to tell us about this project, Explore that Land, that he presented at the at the event, and what they're doing, um, and how they're using their geospatial skills to uh, communicate about climate change related projects. So, um, Patrick, thanks very much for coming on the show. Uh, yeah, thank you for the invitation. Um, uh, thanks for speaking in Lisbon, of course. It was a great event. Um, uh, so let's dive right in. Uh, introduce yourself, tell us who you are, and then uh, tell us exactly what is Explore.Land. Yeah, so uh, as you said, I am Patrick. Um, formerly, um, I was based in Germany, uh, currently in Lisbon, where we met. And like... A bit more than 10 years ago, uh, I met these two guys, uh, Alexander Watson and Stefan Haas. Uh, the first one having studied tropical forestry, and, and the second one um, com coming from the field of, of uh, geoecology. Uh, and so the, the thing was, and myself, I come from the field of physics, so nothing to do with <laughs> what we're doing now. Uh, but we, the three of us, we had like this um, this urge to do something that uh, had impact. We wanted to invest our time, time of life, so to say, um, to do something that would have a leveraged impact. <clears throat> and um, the two of the, the two of them coming from the field of forestry, so they were working in. Uh, what was called sustainable investment in, in well, or investment in sustainable sustainable forestry, and being aware about what was happening in the field, um, and the field having a lot of scandals at the time, and it's still going on. Uh, what we understood in our uh, discussions of how we could do something, you know, to change uh, the paradigm of of how things uh, work, uh, is to to increase transparency, in, at least in this domain of uh, sustainable reforestation. And because we're talking about landscape projects, you're working in a piece of land, uh, it became quite obvious that we would have to go for maps and work with maps and build up transparency using maps. Um, and so after a couple of initial prototypes, we decided to build with some of our clients at the time, some of them uh, our clients until uh, today. Um, we ended up deciding to build up this, this, uh, this general platform called Explore.Land, which is a map-based storytelling, uh, but also transparency tool 
for what we now call nature-based projects on a global scale. So, so what? If I, if I, so, what is the actual service that you provide to the customer? Who are the customers, and what do you actually provide them with? So, just very quickly, so it, the customers are. Um, come from, from different corners. So we work a lot with NGOs, obviously, which are the ones doing the work on the field. We work with, um, we ended up working also sometimes with um, institutional or governmental um, departments. And so, um, but always with the same goal, namely to, to build up transparency um, um, for the uh, project happening on the ground. So maybe before I continue with the clients, so what, what the platform allows you to do is uh, if you have a project on the ground, uh, just to bring that project onto a map uh, and we try to do it as beautiful as possible so that it, it becomes visually also uh, uh, um, attractive, but the idea is to show where the project is, and you might not believe it, but uh, in, in many uh, many times, investors or stakeholders or whoever is you know the, the public uh, following a certain project, they don't even exactly know where the project is. Can 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 you give us an example of what? A type of project, like what do you mean by a project? What, what yeah, so a project is? is so the the the, the projects we're talking about can be everything. I mean, we have NGOs taking care of conservation areas. So they want to show how the area is being conserved um, and others are doing reforestation. So it's about showing how uh, a tree, empty land is being transformed in a dense forest. We have agroforestry projects. Uh, we have, I mean, there's a lot, in the meantime, we have a lot of projects coming in, uh, which are mangrove or even uh, ocean projects. Um, and so the idea is always to show, okay, they're do, they're, these organizations are doing something on the ground and they want to communicate what they're doing and the impact they're having to, to their public uh, and, and they're uh, using our platform to do it. Uh, I mean, very important also to say is where the platform is a tool so none of these projects are related to us uh, as a company, um, <clears throat> but uh, but yeah, but they're using the tool uh, to 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 show what is happening. And, and these projects are all over the world, or is there a specific geographic focus? No. Um, in the meantime, if you look at the map we have, so that the initial page of the platform is is an overview of where the projects are located on on the planet, and it goes from from whatever from Ecuador down not down but <laughs> to to Japan uh, there's in Africa Europe everywhere we we find different kinds of projects um, yeah so what I think is important is to to explain how we how we build up this transparency please yes this is this is my question because and I, so I have to say also, this is something as a, as a consumer or also in my own business, we went, you know, everyone talks about, oh, what can I do to offset my carbon footprint or, or, you know, and, and it's exactly as you said, there are all these scandals where you never know, like, okay, if I really send money to this project, this organization, what's happening with it? And, you know, how do I know it's actually being used effectively? So, so what's, 
Well, what, what we try to do with the platform is as a tool, I, I mean, just came up now with the idea that it's like a Swiss knife, you know, you're never going to use all the, the elements of, of the knife, but whatever you need at the time, it should be there. And so the first thing about transparency with the platform is showing where the project is. Like I said, this, this sounds like uh, uh, trivial, but it's not for many organizations. And, and their stakeholders, once they show a map with one single polygon showing this is where the project is happening, their stakeholders go, wow, you know, that's the first time I get that much transparency. Mm. And, you know, and this is something for us which is so trivial and should be a must for every uh, project happening on the ground. Now, but it, it goes obviously beyond that. So we we have been implementing, um, stepwise, we have been implementing different features. One of them, for instance, to be able to add uh, aerial imagery. So mainly we work with drone imagery, high-resolution drone imagery. And so the possibility of, uh, if the projects are not gigantic, obviously, to gather, go there, let's say, once a year and map out uh, the project. So with our platform, you will, be, you will see how the landscape is changing over time. Uh, you will see trees growing or uh, water streams reappearing and stuff like that. Uh, but if you say drone imagery, you say also satellite imagery. So you, if you buy up buy the most recent Im imagery or historical imagery, uh, you can upload it to the platform specifically for your project area. But we did go beyond that uh, by implementing what we are calling what we call a timeline, which fetches. Uh, um, satellite series or you know series of satellite images uh, in this case from from the NICFI program which are planets um, uh, lab uh, imagery so for the tropics we get that uh, information for free and we give it back to our public for free um, so these are five meter resolution imagery for, for the covering whole tropics and we have it with an update of uh, a monthly rate as far as, I, yeah, um, in the, at least for the last five, six years, I think. And, and then we have uh, other high-resolution imagery, which goes back 15 years, uh, coming from, from ESRI. And, and already the, this information, without our users or clients having to buy anything, already have a, a, a track record of what happened, what was the reality in the past on, on, on the landscape they're working in. And and they, the, the, this kind of visual, you know, aerial imagery being updated uh, constantly is a guarantee for the stakeholder that is investing in the project, in, in what you know, investing, sponsoring, you know, funding the project in general, or other stakeholders with other kind of interests uh, to be able to follow the evolution of the work you know, by looking at the result of the organizations they're involved with. Um, yeah, and so this... So if, if I understand correctly, so there, there's some public imagery that or, or imagery that you're gathering and, and making available to the projects, but then the project can also supplement that with their own imagery if they fly a drone or, or whatever around the project location. Is that, is that correct? Exactly. So if... I mean, nowadays, every 15-year-old kid is able to do some drone imagery. And so it became so cheap um, with a bit of additional knowledge that you might learn in a 15-minute workshop online and some open-source software to do photogrammetry, which is what you need to create those, those drone imagery. Um, 
you, you will have a high resolution, high quality Orta mosaics. And we invite people to upload them into their projects. Um, so you know, just to, to increase the level of transparency. But then it, it doesn't stop there because sometimes it's also, I mean, we want to broaden the, 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 the kind of information we, we make available. And so the next thing we implement is what we, called, uh, what we call uh, the thematic layers. So these are, let's say, typical um, vector or raster data that we can also fetch from open source um, sources. And and we bring them into the platform. So, what, what you can do, just to give you an example, we, we have this one layer, which are the fire alerts, where the source is is some is a NASA satellite, and and which is available for the community out there. And we bring it into the platform. So, as a visitor, or even as the owner of the project, I can turn this on to understand what the reality in terms of fire is. And this is almost real time material or information. Uh, and that means that I will be able to see in the region where I'm operating um, if there are fires happening, you know, and that the update is every seven hours, uh, as, for, as I'm correct. And, and so this, this is just an example to show you how we can bring in this type of information to, to, to explain or show what is happening in the field. Uh, but if if, if I say fire alerts, I might also say, you know, deforestation rates, uh, historical data from the last 20 years since 2020 in terms of how much forest disappeared. Um, we could be talking about carbon um, uh, potential, you know, for carbon potential of different regions for sequestration and so on and so forth. So our idea is to... to, to um, increase this library of, of, of layers, thematic layers, so that visitors can use them, you know, to double check the whatever the, the, the project owner is stating they're doing on the field. And, <clears throat> and on the other hand, the projects themselves um, or the respective uh, organizations can use this data to do uh, a better project management and, and, and yeah. And, and so the applications are quite, quite, uh, quite broad. I, I can give you just an example. Like if you want to do some kind of certification, um, a, a simple deforestation layer of the last 20 years will allow you to check if a piece of land that you want to work on and reforest has been re deforested in the last 10 years, for instance, uh, or longer. So that, that's a condition to get, for instance, I think FSC, and that would be a very quick check for these uh, for people using our platform to use these layers to do a uh, quick um, um, analysis of of uh, what uh, what the situation is on their land. I could see how this could be very valuable. I mean, this is the this is you know the premise of geospatial, right? Is that we bring all the data into one place and aggregate it and and combine it, and then are able to. You know, draw new insights from it and uh, make the make the situation transparent to all. And that's what you know. Many of our listeners work in geospatial, and that's the type of projects that they're working on all the time. But where the where we often run into difficulties is though we spend all of our time on managing all this data, combining the data, cross-linking the data. 
but it's not that not always so easy to present the data, particularly in a way that that um, let's say map users rather than people out of the geospatial world can actually understand it, uh, 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 comprehend it, quickly get the insights that they need. So, so in your case, I guess the users of the service are the the stakeholders of these organizations, right? Of, of your customers, and um, and so how do you? How do you manage that challenge? Because this is something that comes up again and again with people. You know, now we finally have all the data and and all this these amazing you know uh, aerial imagery views and satellite data. And as you say, more and more governments are making it transparent of you know releasing the data. So we have we have this mountain of data, and now we have to the new difficulty is how do we actually present it in a way that people can can draw conclusions from it and draw the correct conclusions let's say um it's it's a challenge uh i mean <clears throat> even if the data would be prepared in in, in the best way possible you need depending on the situation you, you need some expertise to really understand uh what is happening on the ground and what the data mean and how to interpret them and uh, how to understand them uh together. Uh, just to give you an example very quickly, so sometimes we get satellite images uh, in the tropics where you, you, you have the rainy and, and, and dry season and so there's also leaf fall and so if by coincidence you see an image in the tropics uh, of a region where you have these trees, I don't know how they're called, where they, they lose their trees, it's, it seems that it was the whole region was deforested. You know, so you you need some expertise to understand. I know that's typical because it's it's the drier season, so that's when the leaves fall and so on and so forth. So in, in general, what I mean is it's it's a challenge to to get the right combination of of data and making it. Um, making it work to make that data work together in a way that uh, whatever you want to to show to the visitor uh, is the right thing now as i said it's a challenge in our case uh the platform uh, makes all of this data available but we still don't have uh what we're going to call in the future or what we're calling now what we are will have in the future what we call scenes what that means is whoever understands uh, you know is working for the organization uh, taking care of the project uh and and knows exactly what to show to the public will be able to do a combination of data layers, satellite data, and 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 so on and so forth, um, combined with the kind of stro- storytelling uh, elements, like be it a small video, an audio, um, or just a simple text, explaining that okay, what we're seeing here is a layer that is showing this uh, on top of a satellite image showing that, and all what, what this shows in general is. Um, is that trees are growing, for instance. And so this is something we're working towards. Um, We we want to create these, give the organizations the possibility to create these scenes so that if someone visits their project on our platform, instead of having to pick out the different layers or select the correct satellite images out of the whole pool of uh, available images, is that they get a specific scene served that will uh, get to the point and explain what is happening on the ground. And I think that's, yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's so critical because, um, 
you know, just speaking for myself, you know, like I, I live in Europe. I've never been to the Amazon rainforest, right? It's very difficult for me to look at an image and really understand like what's happening there. Is this good? Is this bad? Is it, you know, obviously if, if the, if the forest has been completely, uh, uh, you know, harvested, okay, maybe I can see that, but, but it's not so simple. Just if I just see a, you know, a, a, a green aerial image, hard for me to say, is that good? Is that bad? Is that better than it was? I don't know. So you, you do need the context. Yeah, and and that's what I mean. Th that's where we go beyond uh, typical GIS software, where you just you know it's it's a, like I said it's, or like I said at, at the beginning is uh, it's about storytelling, and uh, I didn't talk about the whole storytelling based on videos and images and and posts. So we have geo posts and so on and so forth. Uh, um, so that's one part of the platform. The other part is the storytelling using geo data. And, and so, and coming back to this idea of the scenes, uh, it's, it's really about taking the, the, the data that tells the story, combining it uh, to get the full picture, and then explaining to the public what they see there. You know, probably, obviously, it won't be a very broad public anyhow, but the stakeholders, uh, you know, whoever is active in the field, uh, and investigative reporters uh, eventually, and so on, so that they understand, okay, that's what what is happening on the ground, and I can see it through this set of images. And this is this is so important to, to you know, because if you don't do this, it's it's just a bunch, only a couple of of uh, experts worldwide will understand what is happening there. But I think, and I'm quite convinced that if if you if you do the storytelling right, uh, you know, and the the, ex the explanation of what what is being shown on the screen. That that can be very powerful for people to to let's say to be educated uh, in, in in this geo field, you know, to understand what is what is in fact happening on the ground. Well, I, it is so critical because um, I mean, whether it's through sort of a donation model or or now increasingly, of course, we're we're having all these kind of legal. Um, you know, companies are being required more and more to do this kind of, you know, carbon offsetting and carbon credits and things like that. And so it's absolutely critical that we have systems that we can trust, you know, yeah, and, yeah. and that we can have faith that, okay, if I'm spending my money on this and, and uh, you know, I'm getting what I'm actually paying for in, in some way, shape or form, right? So I, I didn't say it at the beginning, but I mean, I, I talked about the transparency aspect. Obviously, uh, one of, one reason on one hand of the transparency is if if an organization means it seriously, just just go transparent and and try to show what what you what, what you really are trying to do, even if it goes wrong. But at least you, you can argument that you tried it, and you, you know it's a challenge always. Uh, on the ground, obviously, but the the other important thing about the transparency is obviously building up trust with whoever you have to build trust. Um, and name typically, and and that's really, I would say, a hundred percent of the projects uh, need money. So it's about getting potential funders. To, to trust that organization doing that specific project and starting supporting them financially. And, um, and, and like you said, I mean, last year there have been so many scandals in the field of, um, 
of um, uh, of the carbon market. Uh, and even we we had situations where some organizations contacted us and wanted to know. Um, if it would be possible, you know, to detect deforestation in the project area and so on and so forth. And, and we said, yeah, obviously, I mean, it does cost some money uh, if, 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 um, if the client wants a specific an, uh, analysis. Uh, and we were talking to about, just about a, a couple of thousands of years. And, and these guys said, okay, no, that's too much money. We don't care. And a couple of months later on, it turned out that th this organization was involved in a, you know, it, it was selling carbon certificates and which were being sold to an intermediate, you know, some, some broker that again was selling it to, to some companies in all over Europe, which were doing uh, marketing based on uh, uh, climate neutral products. You know, and it turns out that the, the whole project that we're doing in the ground yeah. uh, was to some extent fake. And it was involved, you know, there were a couple of millions of euros involved in this. And we were like, how come they never, probably because they knew that things weren't going well on the ground, they never did the, the, the analysis. So, but I think if, if from the start you have really... Uh, well-intended organizations, and they 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 go for this transparency. They have all the chance in the world to get serious in um, financial support, be it through uh, the carbon market, be it. I mean, there's typical investment. Uh, you know, there's uh, the example I like to give is you have an indigenous community wanting to produce organic cocoa. In, in the conserved uh, rainforest, and yeah. they just need money to, you know, as, a, as a, any business, to start their business. And, and so I think if, if they show where it is and they try to tell the whole story, um, even improving the, the conservation in their region, and they use a, a tool as ours, they have, you know, they have much more possibilities to get some investor to invest in them than if they don't do it. And yeah, and, and I think that's, that's one of the most important things. By the way, we just launched um, uh, around December, we launched a new functionality based on explore.land, which is the so-called funding opportunity. So projects, they can, um, they can publish their need, financial needs so they can be looking for donors, for sponsors, for investors. They can, you know, explain what the money will be for, uh, you know, what the conditions are. But those opportunities are always linked to the project on the map. So whoever is looking at those funding opportunities will know where this money is going to. We'll see a track record of the project. Um, and, yeah, and we, we hope that this connection between the potential funding and the, the, the projects being presented on the map um, will open up much many more possibilities for these for both sides at the end, you know, the, the, the potential funders and, and the projects on the ground. Well, that's very encouraging, and uh, and as you say, very necessary. I don't, I, I think platforms like what you're building are so critical that that we can establish this trust because without the trust you know, people are not going to invest and without the investment, we're not going to go forward. And so, um, so we need to make it, 
we need to find ways to apply our tools, be it aerial imagery and things like that, that can help, uh, or, or uh, storytelling, you know, effective online storytelling to, to make this, you know, to, to bridge that gap of, of trust and, and get everyone involved. So Patrick, as we, as we wrap up, what would be your advice to, um, as I said, I'm, I've literally, this happens very, very frequently. Whenever I'm at a geomob, I meet someone who, you know, they're looking for a new role or a new job or whatever. And I often ask, Oh, well, what would be your ideal job? And they often say, Oh, I'd like to work on something very meaningful, you know, maybe something related to climate change. What would be your advice to someone in geospatial? You know, with well, I have been moving. Uh, Lisbon is known now for the whole tech scene in the meantime. And, and there are a lot of groups and persons trying to, you know, to find a meaningful uh, job or work to, to do. Um, and, but many times, so I'm starting from the negative side. So they're thinking about technologies and they're thinking, okay, what could we do with those technologies? And then, you know, just figure out something. But, 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 but talking to these persons, I ask you, yeah, but where's the challenge on the other side? Did you indeed look at what the challenges are on the ground or, you know, in society and which, which challenge are you addressing? And, and, and they get to the conclusion, yeah, we never looked from that side. You know, it was just a projection of a fantasy of what could be good without never looking uh, on the other side if, if that uh, need is there in society or wherever you're looking at. So what I would say is, I mean, first of all, I think you should get involved in, in all of these subjects in a very broad manner to just to understand in a more holistic way uh, what is happening and what what uh, the, the challenges are. And that will give you uh, a higher probability to understand that there's some some um, still some uh, needs, well, to, you know, to understand where the needs are and, and then figure out, okay, that's what people or society or the environment is needing. Now, with my with with my uh, expertise, how could I uh, uh, how could I um, uh, contribute to 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 ad address uh, that uh, the challenge? And you know, summarizing, look always first on where the challenges are and what is needed, uh, instead of looking first at the te technology and just trying to invent something based on the technology. Um, you know, uh, without having having uh, it linked to something specific and real on the ground, uh, because I'm, as trivial as this sounds, in fact, I do see a lot happening on the technology side where I ask myself, what is this really going to change? Uh, you know, and it's just some speculative, uh, completely almost fantasized uh, approach many times, you know, and try to avoid it because every minute is important, you know, every every contribution is important, so try to pump it in where it's really needed um, in, in society. Okay. I, I don't know if that answers. <laughs> no, very good advice, very healthy reminder. I mean, this is absolutely the trap that many people of a technical background fall into is they get, they become so enamored of the, of the technology, then they they have the solution and service of the problem. And of course you should start with what's the problem and what, what does it need to actually, 
uh, to to solve it. So very helpful. And, and I, I'm I'm saying this uh, quite honestly because I mean we we the the starting point was was the reality, especially I mean. I have a background where I dedicated a lot of time to many issues uh, in, in the field where we're working now, but also my two colleagues come from, from this world. So they know the reality on the ground. They know the, the, the problem of uh, missing transparency and so on. But even then, as we engage with technology to address these problems, we constantly need to, to check, are we doing something in a that, that is really serving or, you know, or uh, answering to these challenges or we already um, just fantasizing something. So it's, it's a constant challenge not to start building something that is not useful for anyone. So it, it needs to be practical. It needs to have immediate impact. And, and that's really a challenge um, from, you know, even for us on a daily basis uh, to question if the direction we're going from a technology, technological point of view is, is a correct one, or from the solution point of view, sorry. Or in that. Well, good luck, Patrick. I wish you every success <laughs> because um, it's a, it is a very impressive service and I encourage all, leader, all listeners to, um, to take a look and play with it and, um, as you say, to stay focused on what are the actual challenges that the the various users of the service have and how can we how can we then employ our skills to address those challenges so if the conversation has has raised interest uh, uh, how can how can someone best get in touch with you yeah well um if you want to know the platform as we mentioned uh, it's just explore.land so we'll have also some contact forms there uh else you, you will find me also on linkedin so if you search for patrick Ribeiro. um or i mean in this whole conversation i didn't name the the name of our company which is open forests oh right of course um, so, explore.land is just one project of yeah your, it's, of it's company, one of one of the the products uh and, and, and it's the main and the most important. So the, the company is obviously still there. <laughs> but if, if you go to openforest.com, uh, you will get also um, the possibility, you know, have contact date. We'll, of course, have all those links in the show notes. So, um, and, and I'm hopeful that people will also be able to see you at future GeoMob Lisbon's as well. Uh, yeah, for sure. If, I don't know when the next event will be, but, but hopefully in the near future. So. And until then, we will have also novelties uh, in terms of um, yeah, what the platform will deliver. Uh, I'm quite sure that it's, it's, it will be new stuff to show. Okay. Thanks very much, Patrick. I appreciate you taking the time to come on and telling us about your uh, project. Good luck. Yeah, thank you for the invitation. See you. Ciao. Thanks for joining us today and listening to the GeoMob podcast. Hope you enjoyed the discussion. Get in touch with us if you have any feedback or suggestions for topics we should cover. You can get the show notes over on the website, which is at thegeomob.com. And while you're there, you can sign up for our monthly mailing list where we keep you informed about upcoming events. You can, of course, also follow us on Twitter where our handle is geomob. Thanks for listening and hope to see you at a GeoMob event soon.